Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message, that it draws you closer to Jesus and helps you become more like him. So I want to introduce you to Berkeley Gunzel. Berkeley and I have known each other for some months now. Um, we got introduced through uh, Young Life at University of Denver, and um, I learned that Berkeley was in seminary and uh, thought, you know, uh, we... I'd love to have you come and preach and share with us. Um, as Christ Community Church and as the pastor of Christ Community Church, I feel like it's my responsibility and part of our vision to equip and to release other people to do what God has called them to uh, and to help them grow in that. And so um, I'm really grateful that God uh, put us together and that um, God led uh, Berkeley into our lives as a couple, as a family, and, um, and now here to Christ Community Church. And so please welcome Berkeley Gunzel this morning. Good morning. It is good to be here. Thank you, Brandon, um, for the introduction. Uh, I came and visited this church last month just to kind of see everyone, see what it was like, see how the service ran. And I pulled in the parking lot and I was like, I think I've been here before. Why, Why have I been here? And I realized when I was in college, I used to deliver packages for UPS over the holiday season as like my winter break job. And for two weeks, I was put on this route in this area. And one night, I had to deliver a package. It's like 7.30 p.m. on a Tuesday to this church. And we pull in the parking lot. And there's no clear front door. And I'm running around trying to find any open door or open window that I can just crawl into and just put this package like up here. You know, somewhere they'll find it. And here we are, years later, at the time, I wasn't thinking anything about God. I wasn't thinking anything about this church. And I share this not because it has anything to do with what I'm going to say today. Um, I just think God's amazing. And, you know, years ago when I was delivering a package, he was smiling and knew that he wanted to say something through me um, for you guys. And, man, it's, God's so good. And he's so funny sometimes. And so it's good to be here. I say that because I'm, I'm happy to be here. And it, it means a lot to me. Um, so we're reading from 1 John 3, and we're starting in verse 11, and it says, For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should, we should love one another. And so John is writing this letter to these group of churches, and at the time, they had a lot of false teaching going on. People were coming into the church, and they were teaching about Jesus, kind of, but they weren't talking about the gospel, and they were leading people astray, and we have these churches full of early Christians, faithful people who were starting to get really confused, and they were wondering, do I know what the gospel's about? Am I, am I living a life correctly? Because now we have these people who are telling me that I'm not who I thought I was, that Jesus isn't who I thought he was. And so this is the context that John's writing, and he, he tells them, this is the message you've heard from the beginning. John's saying, I'm not teaching you anything new this morning. And for most of you in here, you're probably thinking, yeah, love one another. We've all heard it. That's the, the basic gospel that Jesus was telling us when he was on earth. And so John's reminding these people, this is who you are. Don't forget who you are and who Jesus is. And so today, I mean, we have false teachers and, and false identity is probably more of an issue today, I would say, than it even was for the early church. We have access at our fingertips to every worldview and idea that anyone has ever come up with, ever with basis or no basis, with facts or no facts, right at the tip of our fingers. We can get our identity anywhere we want at any time. 
And John is, is writing this to us too. He's saying, you know the message you've heard from the beginning. And so who, who are we listening to? You know, maybe, maybe you have, you go to a church and there is a pastor on stage who's preaching something that's not the gospel and you're sitting there and you're saying, this is, what is, I don't, am I confused? Do I not know what's going on? Or maybe we're listening to the media and we're saying, everyone's saying these things and, and this is how I should live and this is how I should feel, but this isn't what I know from the gospel and, and I'm getting confused and where's my identity and it could even be from parents or friends or the people around you. I know for me, I, I'm so sensitive to the people around me, especially the people who are really close to me. And I allow people to speak into my life, which can be a blessing. We, we live in community for a reason. And I also find myself at times letting people speak into my life who, who are not leading me to the gospel. And I'm, I'm questioning, oh, am I, am I doing what's right? Like, oh, should I really be striving to work in ministry or should I be striving to make a ton of money because someone's telling me that's what I should do and that doesn't sound too bad, you know? <laughs> and so where are we getting this identity? That's what John's asking from the beginning. Do you know what you heard when you first heard the gospel, that we should love one another? So he starts here. And then he goes into why this is important. Why, why does it matter where identity is? Why does it matter where you're rooted? So we go to verse 12 and he goes all the way back to the actual beginning and we're talking about the story of Cain and Abel. Um, and it says, do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder, murder his brother? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. And so the story of Cain and Abel, they are the sons of Adam and Eve, the first humans. They have fallen from the Garden of Eden and they had these two sons, Cain and Abel. And they both give sacrifices to God. And God, for whatever reason, accepts Abel's sacrifice, and he turns to Cain, and he rejects Cain's sacrifice. And Cain's standing here, and he is angry, and he's frustrated, and he's mad at God, and he's especially mad at his brother, who got accepted by God. And God, in response to Cain's anger, he says, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? If you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So this is back in Genesis. Cain is feeling rejected by God. He's mad at his brother because his brother is doing apparently everything right. Cain can't figure it out. And God is telling him, no, son, I, I care for you still. I, I rejected your sacrifice for whatever reason, but please don't turn to sin. It's crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. And God's pleading with Cain, don't give in to your sin. Don't give in to this anger. Know who you are. And I'm, I read this story and I'm thinking, man, if, if every decision I had to make, I had God standing in front of me saying, don't sin. Don't sin in this situation. How easy, yeah, I'm like, Cain, come on. He is, he is telling you directly. You don't have to like interpret. You don't have to read the scriptures. Like he is standing there telling you what to do, and you still can't figure it out? Besides the point, kind of. But Cain, Cain gives into his sin. He gives into this anger. And, and why does he do this? Because even though God is standing so close to him, God is communing with him directly, Cain is so rooted in his job. He's so rooted in what he does. He's so rooted in, in being better than his brother that he can't overcome this sin. And he kills his brother, and that's, that's the story. And so John's telling us, do not be like Cain. And I'm reading this letter. 
I'm in the early church. I'm thinking, okay, cool. John has like really lowered his standards because his gospel was like pretty high, you know, he like called us to a lot. Now he's kind of reversed. He's like, okay, don't kill people. I'm like, all right, sure. Like, awesome. Let's stop there because that's really easy to do. I've never wanted to murder anyone. Never had the intent. I don't even know how I would, to be honest. Like, cool. We, I can do that. You know, we'll be fine. But that's not where John stops. So he goes on to verse 13, and he says, Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. So we went from don't actually murder your brother to, oh, yeah, but if you hate someone, you're also a murderer. Now we're thinking, whoa, 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 John. That is really dramatic. Like, you're, you're going a little far if I hate someone, I'm not murdering them. So what is, what is John trying to tell us? He's trying to tell us, and he's, he's relating back to the story of Cain. And when Cain sinned, this wasn't a one-time event where he, he sinned, and it was on Cain, and he was cursed, and it had no impact beyond that. It went through generations and generations and generations, and this sin that Cain had committed, it it exaggerated over the years and over the years. And then we find ourselves at the story of Noah and the flood and the world is so broken and it's so hurt. And it started with Cain. It started with this decision that he made. So John's saying, you don't live in a bubble. Your sin is not only impacting you, but you live in community and your sin is contagious. It's not gonna stop with you. The decisions you make are not going to just live with you and impact no one around you. You're going to lead people. And so with our actions, whether they're sinful or they're not, you are playing a part in leading the people around you from from life or to death. And with your sin, all sin, no matter what it is, leads to death. It always does. Jesus tells us that. And so no, when you hate someone, they don't physically die. They're not murdered. But in a way, your sin is, is leading other people to death. And this is the, 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 what happens when we put our identity in anything but Jesus. Cain could not resist sin. He couldn't, even with God standing there telling him what to do, Cain could not resist his sin because he was rooted in something that's not Jesus. And the same for us. We can't resist hating other people. John says, do not be surprised if the world hates you. The world as in the world outside of the church, as in the world outside of people who know Christ. We have no way to resist this this anger and this frustration that Cain felt if we don't have Jesus. So what's what's the solution then, right? Like, I don't want to murder. I don't want to hate people. But man, there are some like really frustrating people in my life. You know, I, I have had coworkers in the past who And I'm sure people in this room can relate. You meet them for the first time, and you're like, all right, they're very different than me. And that's great because God creates us all differently, and that's beautiful, and there's diversity, and they're different than me, but it's totally fine. And then you work with them a little bit, and you spend more time with them, and you're like, man, the things they do are really frustrating. Like, I'm kind of getting annoyed. And then it gets worse, and it continues and continues, and then you interact with them, and you're like, ah, Everything this person says bothers me. How do I love the people around me when 
I can't control being frustrated. And I've been tempted many times to say, you know what the solution is? I can't stand this person. I'm having a really hard time loving them. I'm just going to remove myself from their life. Like they're going to work over there in their cube and I'm never going to volunteer to ever do a project with them because I know I'll be mean to them. So instead of sinning against them, I'm just going to remove myself and problem solved. I'm this great Christian loving everyone and the way to love someone is to not be in their life. Problem solved. Great. And I've done that. I, I do that all the time. That's, that's the easiest way to solve this issue. But imagine if God had looked at Cain and Abel in this story. He looked at Cain. He looked at Cain's lineage. And he said, you know, well, he sent the flood. Let's say he looks at Israel later. <laughs> and he says, you know, oh, these people are so broken. I can't commune with them because they're so sinful. You know what? I told Noah I wouldn't send another flood. I can't just get rid of all these people. I'm just going to let earth do its own thing, and I'm going to come over here, and I'm going to forget about them and let that situation run its course, and I'm going to be over here. What if God had said that to Israel? What if God had said that before he sent his son? Like, where, where would we be? I can tell you right now, we honestly probably wouldn't even be here. Humanity probably wouldn't have existed this long if Jesus hadn't come and decided to put himself in the story. So what do we do? And John tells us, instead of, er, verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possession and sees a brother and sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? So the first thing John tells us, God did not choose to just separate himself from earth, separate himself from the Israelites, say, you people are so broken. I can't stand you. I'm going to do my own thing. Instead, he says, actually, I'm going to get so much closer to you than I've ever been since the garden. I'm going to send my son, Jesus, to earth, to eat with you and walk with you and, and laugh with you. He's going to live this life, and then he's going to die. And he's going to die for all of you and for all of your sin. God chose to not separate himself. He chose to get so, so close to us. That was his solution to this problem. And John says we ought to do the same. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And so in this example, you know, I'm at work and I'm with someone and I'm like, man, this person drives me crazy. My, my solution to this is not to get farther away. And maybe it's not work. Maybe, maybe you're on the PTA and this new PTA dad joins and you're like, okay, this guy's a little different than me. And time goes on. And then every PTA meeting, you're just dreading before you walk in. You're like, I know this guy's going to be there and he drives me crazy. Instead of separating yourself, how do we get closer? How do, we, how do we pull closer in to those people? Or maybe you're on like an adult soccer league and someone joined and they're that guy that never passes the ball. I don't know if anyone here is in an adult soccer league. Maybe that's unrelatable. But we know, we know the situation. We've seen it before. He'll never pass the ball. And so your choice is, you know what? I'm never going to pass the ball to him. I'm going to remove myself. I'm going to try to never have to play with him. I'm not on his team. Or, God forbid, this is, this is within the church. It's not even someone who's outside of the church. Maybe you're in a small group, 
and someone new just joined your small group. And you just know right away, this person's going to be really tough for me to get along with. Do you, you know, try to drive them out, make sure they feel excluded so they'll go to some other small group? Do you leave yourself? Or do you pull in closer? John's comparing these two options. He's saying, you get to choose to be Cain. You get to take someone else's life. You, get to, you, you either hate them and you're a murderer. Or option number two, you give of yourself. A life is being taken or a life is being given. There's no option to just separate yourself. There's no them and me, our lives are separate, nothing I do impacts them. This is how I can be a Christian. This is how I can love people. That's not an option that we're given. Nowhere in the gospel does it say that's an option. And John certainly does not give us that option. He says, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And then at the end of this, verse 17, he asks the question, how can the love of God be in that person if they have material possessions and see a brother and sister in need and have no pity on them? He's asking this question of, if, you, if you're transformed by God, if your identity is rooted in Jesus, if you are so indwelled in your identity with Jesus, how can you not be transformed? How can your life not change? It's not possible. And if we see someone continually again and again and again never living for Christ, and of course, there is grace, right? We're never going to be perfect. I'm not saying if you ever hate someone around you, you know, you, you don't, obviously don't love Jesus. That's, that's not what John's saying. That's not what I'm saying. But if someone is never living for Christ, how can the love of God be in that person? Because the love of God, the identity in Christ, always, every time, without fail, transforms God's people. Every time. It, it, it never doesn't. It's not possible for God to indwell in you and not have this happen. And so we are able to overcome this sin that Cain was not able to do. Cain was so close to God, and we think, man, if he was standing right there, how could you say, like, how could you deny his plea when he's standing in front of you? But John's asking, Jesus died, and he was resurrected, and he lives in you. Like, Christian, if you have said yes to Christ, the Holy Spirit is indwelling in you, and he's transformed you. We have this power because of Jesus that Cain never had. We can't blame, can't blame Cain for this decision, right, in some ways, because he was, he was still removed from God. He didn't have the Holy Spirit and this gift that we have. And so we can live out of this. This is our identity. John's saying, remember what Jesus did for you. You're sitting in these pews and these false teachers are coming and they're leading you astray, but if you know your identity, if you say, I've read the Gospels, I've heard the stories, I've listened to the apostles, I know who I am, I know my identity, then it doesn't matter what people come into your life. If your identity is being the best PTA parent that you can be, and that is, that is all you are, then of course, when someone comes around and makes that difficult for you, you're going to be angry. You're going to be frustrated with them. If, you're, if your identity is, I am the star of my adult league soccer team, like this is my entire identity, then of course when someone comes and doesn't pass you the ball, you're going to be angry because they're inhibiting you from your identity. But what's so beautiful about the gospel 
is that Jesus, there's, there's nothing in between us and Jesus. If, if you said yes to the gospel, if you have com- if you've said, Jesus, you are Lord, you died and you rose for my sin, he is dwelling in you and there is nothing, no person, no spirit, no circumstance that can take you away from that identity. Your identity will never waver. You will never have to make this decision because no one can get in the way of this. You're a child of God and you're a child of God. Whether or not the person sitting next to you is frustrating, whether or not your kid is being a tyrant and won't sleep or is yelling at you or hates you, whether or not your students in your classroom are frustrating and hard to lead, you're a child of God. And that's, that's it. That's the end of the story. Your identity is rooted and it's secure. And so we come to the end of this passage. And John finishes with verse 18 and he says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. With actions, in truth. You don't get to say, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to remove myself and be super passive. John says, your love is only demonstrated with actions. And so go into your community. You exist in a community. You're not in a bubble. You exist in the community here at Christ Community Church. You exist in a community at work. You exist in a community on your soccer team, in your family, on the PTA. We live as social beings. God created us to be social. He never created us to be in a bubble. And so we act out our love. But he doesn't stop with just act out love. He says act out love in truth. And this truth that John is talking about is not the cold, hard truth. You know, it's not the, uh, we got to learn these cold, hard lessons. And my job as a Christian is to act out love by proclaiming the hard truth of the world. Like, that's what I'm called to. No, no, no. John never said anything in this passage about the cold, hard truth, which exists. Jesus doesn't say the law is bad. Jesus doesn't say forget the law. But that's just not what we're talking about here. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the Jesus who came to earth and he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. You're acting out in your identity of truth, of Jesus. Jesus is the truth. The truth is that he died for you. The truth is that he gave his life, that he made the decision to be close to you. And when you're standing in that truth, the only way for you to act is in love. There's no other option. And so we're going into this week and we're saying, well, all right, I am not perfect. And you guys, I'm gonna go to my office tomorrow and I'm gonna get into my cube and I'm gonna say, all right, how do I love these people I work with? I work with a bunch of engineers and I'm not an engineer myself. And there are some engineers who do not communicate with budgets. And they're gonna say, I don't care what your budget is, I'm gonna do my own work. I'm gonna say, okay, I'm very frustrated that you won't stick to your budget. (laughs) How do I identify myself in that moment? How do I identify myself the second I sit down in my cube before I start my day and root myself so that I know when I'm working with someone who's frustrating that I'm not gonna lash out in anger. 
How do I root myself at the beginning of my day and I say, okay, I'm a child of God and that's it. That's, that's all that I am. I do these other things. I have my job. I, I'm a parent. I'm a teacher. I'm a friend. I do these things, but they're not who I am. I root myself every single morning. And if you're thinking, man, my identity is so far from Christ, either I've never actually accepted Christ into my life, I've never acted out of this identity, then, it, then it's time to say, Jesus, I want to root myself in you. I want to be rooted in your identity. Or you, you have accepted Christ, but man, it's been a long time since you've said, I identify as Jesus. You've gotten so caught up in your job, which might be awesome. Brandon could get so caught up in his job, and he's a pastor. And everyone's saying, oh, he should. That's, it's all about God. But it's just as easy for a pastor to put their identity in how well they preach as it is for someone who's working at some corporation saying, I want to be CEO, and that's my identity. All of us in what we do can identify in the wrong things. And so maybe it's find the passage when you first found Jesus. Like that first passage for you that was like, man, this is it. Like this is, this is going to be my life. For me, it comes from Isaiah 55, 10 through 12. The passage is beautiful. It talks about the trees singing and the mountains rejoicing and praising God. And we go out in joy and we find peace. And this, this passage has always for me been, it's been what's drawn me back to Jesus. When's the last time that I read Isaiah 55 before I went into my work or before I went to hang out with a group of friends who I know, I know that person's going to be there? How often do I go back and re-identify? It's not, it's not a, I made this choice once and now I'm good forever. We have to continually go back to Jesus and re-identify ourselves. So I encourage you this week, don't let the sin that's, that's crouching at the door that wants to desire you, that wants to feed off of you and be spread to the people around you. Say no to it because you, you can, because Jesus has enabled you to do so. Stand in that power. Say no to that anger and that frustration and that hatred of your neighbor and your brother and sister in Christ. Re-identify yourself every morning. Figure out where in your life that you're identifying wrongly and adjust that and do what you can. Pray in the mornings. Get into your word. Read a piece of scripture before you interact with someone that you know is going to be hard to love. Let Jesus and dwell in you. Let Jesus do what he is made to do. Let the Holy Spirit live inside of you the way that it was meant to live inside of you. God never sent us here to like white-knuckle our lives and try and love everyone perfectly. He gave us the resources to do it. He did not leave us with this impossible task. He made it possible through his son. And so that's, that's what John is saying, that he said it to the people back then. He's saying to it now, us now. And I just encourage you guys to, to dig into that this week. Find the areas where you can just love other people better because it matters. John says it, it really matters. This is not, I just want to be nice to everyone. This is a matter of life and death. We, we have the opportunity to bring people into Christ or to push them away and lead them to death. It is, it is weighty because it matters that you love people. It matters how you act. 
And so let me pray as we, as we finish today. And I just encourage you guys, think about this this week. Really dive back into the simple gospel that you knew from the beginning. Don't let others decide what thy identity is going to be for you. So, Lord, we just thank you this morning. Um, man, you are present with us. You are here. You indwell in us. You are moving around. Lord, you are so present and we need you. And we pray this week as we go through our lives that you would remind us when we need to love others better, that you would remind us when it's time to refocus on you, that our, our focus would be so close to you, Lord, that we would never waver or be confused who we identify in. Lord, would we act out of your love and out of your love only, Lord. In your name we pray. Thanks for tuning into the podcast this week. For more information on Christ Community Church in Southeast Denver, visit ChristCommunityDenver.org.